0: Turning in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 16. Very familiar story. I preached on it several months ago, but this, I'm going to take one text out of this story and share with you today. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word, if you're able? And if you're not, do not feel bad. Acts 16, verse 26. If you're there, say amen. This is the story of Paul and Silas who have been imprisoned for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are catching it from all angles, uh, from the Pharisees as well as Gentiles and most of it, if not all of it, stirred by Satan himself. They find themselves beaten, naked, bruised, confused uh, in the lower dungeon, the Bible says, the, the inner prison, the darkest spot, potentially chained to a limestone wall, unable to move, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God, and the prisoners heard them, and the Bible said God sent a great earthquake. Here we are in verse 16. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. Oh, the guilty were loosed. The convicted, those that have been given up on. Keeper of the prison awoke out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and was about to kill himself so that he would not have to be tortured by those that had put him in trust of these prisoners because he thought all the prisoners had fled. And then Paul cried with a loud voice, Do yourself no harm, we're all here. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out. And this is what he said. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and all your house. Before you're seated, let me share with you this. This man was open to God, because of the operation of God in the life of someone else. He saw their God save them. He saw God intervene supernaturally. Someone not interested in Jesus Christ became interested when he saw what God was doing in their life. And there are people in this room that would not call yourself Christians, but you have seen your friend your son, your daughter, your spouse, change before your very eyes, supernaturally, powerfully, unmistakably, undeniably. And from their experience, maybe you are in the waiting room saying to yourself and to others, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Because I'm missing that and I need That, and that's the question I want to answer today with the message, if God allows simple questions, honest answers, abundant grace. Would you pray with and for me as I pray for myself? So, Lord, I humble myself before you today as an unprofitable servant at best, but I am called and I've been commissioned And equipped, but I am relying solely upon the power of the Holy Spirit to convict hearts for the womb of the Spirit to contract and let new birth happen today. Anoint these words. Let the eyes of people's understanding be opened. Lord, you're the Lord of the church and you save. And that's what I'm asking you today. Dialogue with those that may not know you and have not dialogued before. And let truth reign. Let the word of the Lord be like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces and sets people free. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Many preachers and theologians have the innate ability to take profoundly simple things and make them profoundly difficult. We've created religious systems that uh, minister to the pain of people, but not the problem. We, we give them relief and not solutions. We cloud the way with bells and whistles and, 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 and beads and idols and crucifixes and priests and prophets and bishops and all of the above. But a person comes to salvation simply supernaturally, but simply. They dialogue with themselves. They dialogue with God. And they're honest. Simple questions, honest answers, and abundant grace. The gospel is so simple that a child can grasp it. Now, fleshing out the gospel and becoming disciples of the Lord Jesus is a totally different thing. But this morning, I want to speak to the person that may... Believe, but you're not a believer. Before I do the quick points, and I have a short message today. Uh, People, you'll meet them, and you know they're lost. Like I knew I was lost. Their life shows that they're lost. Their sins show that they're lost. Their their bondage, their, their countenance, their words. They say, I believe in Jesus. Well, yeah, that's a mental acknowledgment that he existed. But the devil believes in Jesus. Demons would say, I know who thou art. Thou art Christ. I know, you know, if you come to torment us before time, you're the Holy One of Israel. They know that's not what belief means. Belief is not an agreement in the existence of. Belief is a firm, reliant, exclusive trust in the work of Jesus Christ by dying for our sins and being raised for our justification. A firm, relying, exclusive trust. A belief that he is who he said he is. Not Jesus and the church. Not Jesus and the priest. Not Jesus and the beads. Not Jesus and purgatory. Christ alone. Simple questions. Honest answers. Abundant grace. And if you would allow someone like me who is the chiefest of sinners, if you're visiting with us today, you might be one of those people. Lord, I, if I go to church, the, the ceiling would come in. I'll get take take a number. The guy preaching here, and I don't mean it, making light. I'll match you. Shame for shame, uh, unfaithfulness for unfaithfulness, bondage for bondage. So this is one simple person who has been forgiven been changed, renewed, and I want to dialogue with you the dialogues that I had in my heart. And if you'll have them with God today, I'm telling you, you can step from death to life. You can step from judgment hanging over your head to an abundant entrance into the kingdom of God. But you have to answer the right questions. And you have to answer them honestly and you have to receive. Number one, do you see your position your position. On a football team, there's a position. The offensive lineman can't play quarterback. If you're in the wrong position, you can't get it done. And many people see themselves as connected to God or the all-seeing eye, the power somewhere. I be- No, no. Your position to God, not a God, not a different God, but God himself. Here, this is our position according to scriptures. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. Our spirit man is dead, okay? My physical man can connect with you. I can talk to you. Uh, My my physical man, see, we are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. My soul can connect to you. I meet you. I decide if I like you or don't like you. I don't tell you, but I tell my wife at Burger King when we get there. I say, now this one, I didn't like that. My physical, my soul can connect to you. My physical body connects to the earth. This is hard. This is cold. This is hot. My spirit is the one that communicates to God. And the Bible says your spirit is dead. You're dead in trespasses and sins. Because goes, and I ain't dead. Yeah. Yeah, you are. And you have no more connectivity to God than a dead man in a casket has connectivity to food. Or he can smell food. That's our true position. Now, the world and Oprah will tell you you're good. We're all good. All roads lead to God. Okay, Question. So I get on 75, all roads lead to Florida. So if I get on 75 North, you'll go to Florida. And everybody goes, yes. No. Yeah, no, all roads lead there. No. Or you can get on 75 North and say, I identify as someone who's going to Florida. (laughs) I'm okay with God, I believe. God said we're dead in trespasses and sins. God says that there is no one righteous. No, not one. That all of us sin and come short of the glory of God. And that death entered the world through Adam. Sin. Because of sin. And sin was passed on to you. We were born sinners. The sin nature is in you. See, I am not a sinner because I sin. I sin... Because I'm a sinner. And when you came through your mother's womb, you were separated from God. The sin that was passed on from your mother and your father, uh, the blood being from your father was passed on. That's why it was imperative that Jesus was born of a virgin because the life is in the blood and the father provides the blood. And Jesus, having no earthly father, came as the spotless lamb to die for our sins. But we who have not been born again, our position is we are separated from God. Listen to this verse in Isaiah. Isaiah 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save you, neither his ear heavy that he could not hear you. But your iniquities have separated you and God, and your sins have hid his face from you, and he's not listening. The gospel, the good news is judgment first. The good news is not that you're okay, I'm okay. The good news is God loving you enough to tell you the facts, the spiritual facts, so that you can feel convicted. And conviction, when God convicts your heart, is Him giving you permission to repent. And when you repent of your sins, you then find grace that forgives you, cleanses you, and makes you whole. And you cannot find grace if you've not been forgiven. And we're not forgiven of sins we don't have. The Word. So I have to know my position. John, you're damned. I was born in a preacher's home. You're damned. You're a sinner. Well, I go to church. Damned. I shook a preacher's hand. Damned. And this gospel is not preached in many places because we tell them the good news is that God loves you. Love wins. No, truth wins. Dead in trespasses and sins. That is my position. Now, God doesn't leave us there. I'm not beating you up. You just need to understand that all of us, we're in the same condition. And you don't believe in original sin. Go to a a sandbox and five two-year-olds in it and three toys. And you'll know that we were born... Well, anyway, y'all's kids aren't like mine. Do you see your position? Do you gravitate to darkness? Jesus said in John 3, this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light lest their deeds be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be manifest that they are wrought in God. I knew that I was not right with God by what my uh, affections were towards. I gravitated to darkness. Why are all the nightclubs dark? Well, first of all, it helps ugly people. Uh, That's... (laughs) Sorry. Dark deeds uh, done in the darkness. We gravitate towards music that's dark. And it doesn't have to be occultic to be dark. Dark meaning sinful, you know... uh, country music or the other. It, it, it doesn't matter if the message is sin and destruction and we gravitate. We gravitate to dark people that pull us in. And this is not a message of judging them. It's me dialoguing with myself. Why? Why am I drawn to that? Because my spirit man is dead. The only stimuli that I'm receiving is my soul. Pleasure. Sexual pleasure. Uh, food pleasure. Pleasure. Drug, alcohol, pleasure, sensation. Do you gravitate to darkness? And, and God tells us it's, this is not to condemn. It's to awaken. And see, that's the reason you gravitate to darkness. Because you, you, you don't have light in the heart. You're not, you're not there. Honesty, Honestly, I would go to church. You know, my dad died when I was a young boy. And from then on, I didn't have anything to do with it. And I would go and I'd look around and go, I do not get it. i just, I'm sorry. First of all, the music was real bad. And our church has wonderful praise and worship. But you ever been the church where the people pull up in $60,000 SUVs and have a $400 sound system in the church? And it was just bad. I just just don't get it. I just don't get it. And then when God found my hiding place and saved me, I went back in the same church with the same old guy on a guitar and the same preacher. And I would just weep. And sob and laugh. Say, so what happened? Imagine a, a digital tuner. And if God was speaking on 100.1. And you're at 99.9 and you hear nothing. So close to the kingdom of God and you can't hear him. So close. Between, and then if you bump it to 101, God comes clear. I knew my position and God allows me to get in situations that are so painful and hurtful so that I can realize that I gravitate to darkness because I'm of it now again you say well I'm glad I visited today." those two about beat me to death well they lead to the other you can't have a, 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 an awareness without being aware There can't be the conversion without the the turning from. Do you feel your condition? When Adam sinned against God, he went and hid himself. And he he made uh, uh, clothes out of leaves. And God said, where are you? Adam, where are you? Now, God knew where Adam was. But Adam didn't know where Adam was. Do you feel your separation from God? Let me tell you something as a pastor. It's easy to reach people that know they're separated. It's the deceived ones that are following the gospel according to Oprah or the tolerant gospel, which means whatever you believe, it's all the same. That's who you can't reach. But the one that says, I'm hiding from God because I'm naked. That's what Adam said. I heard your voice in the garden and I hid myself from everything that reminded me of you. Do you feel your separation? Do you feel your shame, your nakedness? Do you feel the distance? Oh, God, I did. I I was born again when I was a little boy. But I walked away for all those years. And I knew how far away from God I was. I felt my own shame. I felt my own nakedness. And uh, I would pray drunk. I don't know if anybody else ever done it, but I would. I, I would pray and I would cry out to God and tell him how sorry I was. I knew I felt it. I felt that God was far from me. He loved me, but He was far from me in the sense that He would not make my life good because it would solidify me in my evil. He would not let me get settled in that. Number three, or number four: do you recognize the transient fragility of life? James 4:14 4, says, "Your life is a vapor." It appeareth for a little while and vanisheth away. One of the gifts of God that he gives us, and you might not see it as a gift, especially those of us that are aging exponentially, is that as your body deteriorates, it is an hourly reminder that you're coming to the end. You're coming to the end. We're either going to go back to dust and not know it, we're going to stand before the Lord. You're coming to an end. Your life is but a vapor. It appeareth for a moment and then vanisheth away. My daddy died when he was 42. I have lived 42 years longer than he lived already. And I realized that I could go home anytime. The devil's song is you always have tomorrow, you always have... No. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Our life is but a vapor. It's like if you watch, if you're cooking, uh, say, corn on your stove, and the water's boiling, and the little kernels are there, and that little vapor wisp that comes up, that's life. And we're not promised tomorrow. Oh, you're using a fear tactic. No, I'm using a fact tactic. What we do in life, we have to do now, and... And God gives us this window and this opportunity. Number five, do you recognize your helplessness? This is how a person can be saved. When we understand that there's nothing we can do, dead people can't help themselves. I'm going to turn my life around. Can't do it. You don't need a change to life. You need an exchanged life. I'm going to modify my behavior. Still, you're still dead in your trespasses and sins. I want to be a better dad. I'm going to go to church. Still dead in trespasses and sins. We have to not only know our condition. We have to accept God's word that we are helpless to help ourselves. And here's how. Here's one of the ways we know that. The Bible says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Since you couldn't get to heaven, I came to earth. No approach. And I'm going to try to weave this into a very simple subject matter for you. Imagine a courtroom where you come and stand before the Lord and you're guilty. Your lawyer knows you're guilty and the judge knows you're guilty. That's the problem today. We're preaching a gospel where they tell you the judge and you are cool. And I'm guilty. There must be something Mercy has to come in. Grace has to come in. Mercy keeps a judgment from me that I don't deserve. And grace gives me a reward that I did not deserve. Mercy keeps something from me and grace gives it to me. And mercy and grace came from Jesus Christ. But you have to be helpless. To merit salvation, you have to come before the Lord and say, I have no merit, no bearing, no influence, nothing to bring. I accept, I recognize and accept your judgment of my sin, but it doesn't end there. Let's go to the next one. You can't come to God when you want to. It is him that draws you. Well, I'm just going to pray next week. That may not be the appointed time, but the Bible said now is the acceptable time. Now's the day of salvation. When your heart is a dead person and he's he's quickening it, he's, he's starting to bring them back to life. If he's touching them, that's when a person can come to him. So if I've accepted his judgment of me and I can't approach him, I can't get there, and then he bids me to come. This is why it's important that you see all through the New Testament that Jesus raised people from the dead. It was a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality that if he could bring your body back, He can bring your spirit back. That he would save us. My salvation had nothing to do with my will or my works. It was the act of God through Christ that made it possible. You can't change yourself. You must be born from above. Jesus said, unless a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Now, these aren't perfect types, but they're understandable types and I've said this so many times over the last 25 years what part did you play in your first birth? a minor role and when you're born again it is God willing God providing the seed God providing the receptive womb God bringing about the life the spirit contracting your spiritual water breaks and you're born again and then people stand in the church and go I did it no That child is helpless and it comes into the world by the will of another. Now where the parable breaks down is that child is unaware of what's happening. But you're aware because your soul is alive. The soul part of you realizes that a new person is on the scene. A new creation in Christ Jesus. The spirit man, grace enters a person. Religion can never help you. Ever. because religion doesn't help dead people it must be the act of God by the will of God through the power of God that a man is saved and well Pastor John I don't get it so if I'm dead how do I call out no your soul's not dead your soul the seat of your affections the soul cries out to God for his spirit I know I'm separated from you. I know. I, I know. My life proves. I gravitate to darkness. I'm, I'm a man of the flesh. I'm a man of carnality. And if you don't resurrect me, I'm damned. You've already judged me. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I can't change myself. You'll have to change me. I can't earn it, Lord. Dead people don't have the capacity to earn. And it's not for sale. I can't merit salvation, I can't ascend, I can't purchase it. It's the gift of God. That's why when Cain and Abel came before the Lord after Adam's sin, they knew of the sacrifice because they clothed themselves, we say fig leaves, with, with leaves and branches, uh, pieces of, of the earth. And God killed a lamb and skinned it, God did, and put the skin, the skin above them. So under the skin was blood that touched them. And he said, your covering won't work. It must be God's covering, which symbolizes God has to cover our sin. We can't cover it with good deeds or anything. God must do it. So Cain comes before the Lord to bring an offering, and he brings from the field, you know, corn and wheat and barley and all of this. And he offers it before the Lord, and the Lord says, I won't accept it. Abel comes and brings a lamb. And kills the lamb and offers the lamb to God and God accepts it. So what was missing? Cain did not acknowledge his sin. He said, look what I'll do for you. And God rejected him. And Abel said, "Uh, this lamb came from you. I, I didn't do anything with it. And I know that when my daddy sinned, that an animal died so that he could be covered and i I bring this animal before you because I know I need to be covered. I'm just like my dad. Pointing to the final lamb, the lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world, and there was no more need for the slaying of the lamb because the lamb of God came and died for him. You can't write your name in the book of life. Listen to this, Revelation 20, verse 15. Ben, if you would, come please this morning. And whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. They tell you today on television and in the churches that God will judge no one, that the whole world has been reconciled to God, and that all will be saved. Scripture says, And whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast alive into the lake of fire. And it says, And their torment ascendeth forever and ever. Well, how do I get my names written in the Lamb's book of life? Who has the book? The Lamb. Pastor John can't write your name anywhere. It's not your book. I'm appealing to the common sense of all of us. The book that records our deeds is the evidence of our sins. It's the evidence of. And unless something supernatural happens... I'm guilty, God knows everything. God's everywhere. Nothing can undo it. Unless something happens, I'm I'm eternally judged. And then Christ comes in the courtroom and says, Father, this is John. I died for him. John, is that true? I believe Jesus paid my penalty in full. John, do you add anything else? Oh, no, 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 no. Or you should, That would make the lamb spotted. That would make the blood impure. I am as guilty as you say I am, and I deserve judgment. But Christ paid for my sins, and he declared on the cross, it is finished. God says, you are free to go and enter into the joy of the Lord because Christ paid. See, he didn't just, oh, let's forget John's life. No. When you see that bloodied, bruised figure on the cross at Golgotha, he was seeing me and my sins and the wrath of God was poured out upon him. That was how guilty I was. So grace is not about making you feel horrible and leaving you there. It's bringing you a place of helplessness so that you can receive the unmerited grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. Not of works. Do you know, finally, that salvation is available to everyone God created you. He knows you intimately and loves you thoroughly. That on the cross, did you know that your sin was paid in full and you don't have to do penance. You don't have to do purgatory. You don't have to get on a 10 speed and go visit people on Saturdays. You don't have to come to Christ's chapel. You don't have to give your money. You don't have to serve in the nursery. Paid in full. Christ paid for your sins. Did you know that God has provided only one way to be saved? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. There is one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No ways to God. A way. And the world hates the true church of Jesus Christ because they say that whatever your truth is, that's good for you. And we say, no... The world is judged, only those that get in the way. Christ, the way. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it, but broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many go in thereat. Christ is the only way, and Christ alone. Did you know that all could be forgiven? because all has been paid for? Do you understand the power that was manifested in that person's life I told you about? That you saw God work in their life. You saw the earthquake. You saw the prison doors open. One of my friends named Ben, I remember I'd been a Christian about six months. And I saw him at Skipper's, booth 12. As he came come in, I was about to wait on his table. And I sat down with him and he said, John, can you save me? I said, No, I, I can't save you. I knew what he was asking. He goes, I just, I saw it happen for you. You changed. You, there was something dynamic, powerful, supernatural. Not that you did, that happened in you. You didn't just go to church, you became the church. You know, it was a miracle. And this guy cried out, he said, Sirs, What must I do to be saved? My perversion was forgiven. My uncleanness was forgiven. My broken vows and the things that I've never told a living soul were forgiven. Forgiven. He didn't look the other way. He bled and died. One look, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And everyone that looked upon that brazen serpent was healed. Everybody, just a look, just one look towards Christ. One firm, reliant, exclusive trust that look towards saves. Did you know that God never turns anyone away? It says it in the scripture. He said, I will in no wise reject those that come to me. Well, you can't come to him unless the Lord's drawing you. I have watched in this church child molesters come and fall before a God. Did they deserve to be forgiven? No. You didn't deserve to be forgiven. I didn't deserve. It, was it horrible? Is it, I have no problem with them going to jail. But grace. Whosoever comes to him, he said, I'll no wise turn him away. And I knew that when I got up that morning on July 6th, 1986, and I walked and fell down at an altar, that my sins were gone. Gone. Well, how do you know? How do you know if you take a rock out of your shoe? I'm like, it's gone. How do you know? Jesus said, being born again is like the wind blowing. You can't really figure out all the details and and where, but you know, and if it's parting your hair on this side, you know it's coming. And so it is with God and the kingdom of God. You know when it's happening. And I close with this. Did you know that this day was scheduled for you? Did you know that God is speaking over you? before you went to bed and speaking over you now? That's not in the Bible. Listen. Jesus said, there's a day coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Many people in the church say, oh, that's talking about the resurrection. No, he talks about that in the next verse. He said, marvel not that you think he can do it spiritually because there's a day coming when the Son of God speaks and every physically dead person is going to come up out of the ground. Some to life, some to judgment. July 6, 86. This dead person, I cannot explain it to you and I can only tell it to you. I heard, my spirit heard him speaking to me. John, get up. And the corpse got up and was somewhere in the speaking and the walking and the... I don't know, I just know that I'm forgiven. The hourglass has a few grains of sand left. That's it. The return of the Lord Jesus Christ to the earth is imminent. And the fields are white. Don't say tomorrow. Now's the day of salvation. And I've waited all morning to tell you this. Whosoever Rested, forgiven, energized, changed, rebuilt, restored, name written in the Lamb's Book of all these things so that they say, I'm saved, I'm saved. Now is the day. This is your time to put your trust in Jesus Christ. You're not joining this church. You don't have to like me or this place, but you say, I believe something in my soul says that's truth. And I am agreeing with God's judgment upon my life so that I can receive the grace for those sins that I've agreed I committed. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Holy Spirit, I know you're brooding over the waters of chaos in men's souls this morning. I know it men and women and you're recreating you put people in our lives you've orchestrated our days and we would converge here today that they would hear it in a way maybe Lord that they'd not heard before they heard a thousand times but they know that God is speaking over them. the day is coming and now is dead people hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live Pastor John I am in agreement with you that I am a sinner and I am helpless to do anything for myself do you think God would forgive me? absolutely if that's you with no one looking around just slip your hand up and put it back down you will not be embarrassed I see you God bless you I'm asking God 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 sees your hand God bless you I'm asking God to forgive me this morning. Christ saved me today. Again, no one looking around. And for our guest, I'm not trying to embarrass you at all. But this is our soul. This is our eternal life. If you're here with a family or friend, don't say anything. Just reach over. Touch their hand means I'll go with you to pray if you want to go. If they don't want to, that's up to them. But It could be the day. Would you just tell them, hey, I'll go with you. Just reach over. I'll go with you. Let's settle our account with God. If that's you, would you come? If you'd like to make a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ, would you come? Is there anyone?
1: One more sign One more day But tonight The time has come, the Lord is near, just reach out.
0: too long ago that we had the opportunity to preach the gospel like we did today I got an email from a guy he said I I heard the Lord's voice for the first time in my life he said I knew I knew I should have came he goes Pastor John I didn't but I want you to know before I cranked my car (laughs) that I called on the name of the Lord and it was so precious he goes he saved me in my car I said, are you sure? He said,
1: oh, yes.
0: And I pray over every person here that heard the word today. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son hath not life. Call on the Lord and God will answer you. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't the Lord's grace amazing today? Hey, Greg, you know I'm going to ask you to pray. Come up here. you got to pray over. Come here. Come here. You blessed us last time. You gave us the blessing, and that's good, too. But I want you to pray for us. I love you. I love you.
2: I, I just want to. I'm, I'm not going to preach. Please. I'm, I want to just say something. Um, This morning, I was awakened to pray for Pastor John in the service. And then the Lord told me to come to the service, but I wasn't going to come. And then he called me. And I figured, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'm no bowling ball either. So I came. But I want to just say to you, um, that's about as good as a legitimate, Holy Spirit-infused Biblical presentation of the gospel that you will ever hear in your life. And I say that because I've literally been to every continent and many countries sharing the gospel. And I'm telling you, if there's anybody here that's still toying with the idea, I can't figure out why you would do that. I would love for you to explain to me Logically, why you would not take this ridiculous offer from God. That, man, it, I just, the value of this is unbelievable. And so please, if you're still like, don't, don't think about it too long, because life is, is fleeting. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his very countenance upon you and give you his peace in the name of the Prince of all peace, Yeshua. Shalom. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful day. God bless
0: you.